church. Let's continue our worship this morning.
magnify your name you alone deserve the glory the honor and the praise lord jesus this song is forever yours a thousand hallelujahs a thousand Just the voices. Just the voices. Adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Oh, come. Oh, come, let us adore. Mother and child, oh. 
you are our saviour and you are our king when the world was lost when the world was broken when the world was covered in deep darkness unto us a light has shone and this light is the life of all men this light is Jesus Christ the light of the world and Jesus says to you my church Jesus says to you that I am the light of the world. Anyone who walks with me, anyone who walks in me shall no longer walk in darkness but have the light of life. And in this way, in this way, church, He has come to bring, to bring into our lives, puncture the darkness, the cloak of darkness all around us, to shine goodness, mercy, kindness, love, patience and peace deep into our lives so that every part of our lives that were broken is now touched by the light of life. And this is our Saviour King. This is Jesus Christ. And because of this, we celebrate Christmas. Father, we thank You. We commit this time into Your hands. And we thank You, Lord God, for every good thing we have in our lives and for every trial, for every test, for every temptation, for every suffering. Father, we bring them before you and we pray and we ask that you take every single one of them and you use them to refine us, you use them to sharpen us, you use them to bring glory to your name. And Father, we pray for peace, we pray for goodness to reign over our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can you turn to someone next to you, even if it's someone you're not familiar with? You may be seated, by the way. Can you turn to someone on your way to your chair and just say hello? Just say Merry Christmas. Say big Merry Christmas to every one of you. Hello, 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 hello. Good morning. How's you? How's everyone doing today? Wow, I think, uh, I think we've never had anyone seated all the way to the back. There, you guys can see me all the way at the back. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. All right. All right. Nice. Now, for those of you who are visiting today, for those of you who are newer in this place today, I want to introduce myself. My name is Fergus, and I pastor this church together with two other pastors and an amazing team of leaders. And together, we all really want to wish you not just Merry Christmas, though we really want to say Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year coming up, but we also want to give you a hearty and warm welcome. You know, I'm so honoured that of all the places you could be on this Sunday morning, you have chosen our little family. Is this this little nice cozy family um, as your Christmas service stop on this weekend? So on behalf of all our leaders in this church, I really want to say a big hello, a big Merry Christmas, and thank you for being here, right? Now, um, later, speaking of hearty welcomes. Uh, after the service, we're going to have lots of makan, okay? In this church, we love to makan. So after the church, please don't hurry off too quickly um, because when the service is done, um, the screen will go up, the curtains will part and there's going to be a full catered lunch, okay? So please don't hurry off. Uh, grab a seat, grab a bite and I hope that I'm, I plan to bounce all the way to your table and so that I can say hello, get to know you and possibly 
even pray together with you before you go because that's my favorite part of this gig, right? Now, our theme for this year's Christmas, as you can see on the slide, is love. Now, love is one of those very big words. It's one of those umbrella words. It, it covers a whole bunch of different meanings. You know, in BM, in Barca, we say words like kase, right? What else? What are the uh, BM words for love? Sayang, right? You can say sayang, you say kase, you say kase sayang, right? Um, what else? Hey, the obvious one, cinta, right? You can say cinta, right? Um, and, and each one has its own meaning, right? In English, however, well, we just kind of like, you know what I mean? There are other words like affection and care and all that, but we generally, in English, we group all these ideas together and we use the word love. Now, why is this important? It's important because God loves you. And if we want to understand really how God loves you, or how much God loves you, then maybe it will help for us to know what we mean when we use this word love. And so, you may have heard, you may have heard it being said, and you probably, this is the first go-to when you think about love, is love is a feeling. Right? It's a feeling from deep inside your heart. That's why when we are, the heart is uh, synonymous with love, sometimes you draw a heart, people call that love, right? Yeah, love is in many ways a feeling. It wells up from deep inside you. It, it kind of sucks you in the heart, right? And it's, like, it's, it's this emotional, kind of like this volcanic rumbling that is deep inside you. And love sometimes just chokes you up. At all the most inappropriate times, sometimes it just makes you cry. So in many ways, love is a feeling. And in other ways, you may say that, no, but pastor, love can't just be a feeling. Because love, if, a, if love is a feeling, then feelings come and go. Today, your feelings of love may be strong. What happens tomorrow if those feelings go and they are gone? What kind of love would that be? So love is... A feeling but it's not just a feeling love is also a decision love is a commitment you love is something that you say I choose to love you know when we marry people in church we have the bride and groom say to one another I do to what I do in sickness and in health for better or worse till death do us part so love is something that chooses and sticks to what it has chosen no matter how fierce the resistance that comes afterwards. So love, maybe I'll put it on the screen so y'all can follow this. Love is a feeling. Love is a decision. And sometimes love can feel like an obsession. An obsession, but I really do mean this word in the nicest and the most and, and, and the best way possible. Because when you love something, when you love someone, you don't just you don't just skim the surface, right? You you, you don't just touch a bit and go. When you love something, you plunge 
all in. You dive all in. You swim deep into the waters of the thing that you love or the person that you love. And then you remember and you know all the little beautiful details that are beautiful perhaps only to you because you are the one who is in love. And for everyone else, it's just a little thing that goes unnoticed. But to you, you see. You see everything. And in that sense, love is a little bit like an obsession. And the flip side to love being an obsession because obsession is something that is kind of like for yourself. Is that love is also a self-sacrifice. And you know this because every Mother's Day, we look at the papers and we read stories of mothers who give and give and give. Fathers too, who spend their whole lives just Living for someone else. Love is a form of giving unto someone else. And uh, sometimes the most extravagant acts of love, when you're so madly in love, you give at your own expense. And if you love deeply enough, if you love truly enough, you won't even feel the pinch. So love is a feeling, it's a decision. It has its obsessive traits sometimes. And it's surely about giving and giving. But it's more, you see, you can even see it on the screen. When you love something, you can just indulge in it over and over and you don't even, you don't even grow bored of it. You never tire of it, right? How many of you, the moment you get into a song that you really like, you can play it non-stop for the whole day. You can play it like non-stop over and over. You put it on loop. That's what it's like for me when I get into a song. For some of you, it may not be through music. It might be food. You like something to eat very much and you can just eat it every meal, you know, a few days straight. You, are just, you just love it. It might be a snack if it's not a meal. If you love someone, if you love someone, Deeply enough, you could spend your whole life with them. They, it's almost as if they never, ever tire and they never, ever bore you. In that sense, love is insatiable. And love is also experiencing community. Because have you ever been in love and found yourself able, capable of holding it in, keeping it to yourself for days and weeks on end? No, right? When you love something, when you love someone, there's something, it just compels you from deep inside to say it. And even if you found something really good on like, I mean, let's just dial it down, right? If you found, if you found something you really love on Shopee, you tell someone, right? Like, hey, guess what? You have to buy this thing, man. You scroll, you like share, you know, you click the share button, you know, and then you say, you have to buy this. It's so good. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it. Right? Love is necessarily communal. You have to share it. You can't keep it in. And the thing is about love being communal is that when it is shared, when it is shared with someone else, it ascends to its greatest heights. And then the greatest expression of love being shared with someone else is when love becomes something where you extend and you share in the place and in the space of wrongs, of brokenness, of hurts, of wounds, and you show love by forgiving. 
And that is the kind of love that perhaps sums up all of the, uh, all, all brings together all of the different kinds of loves that I've been talking to you about. Now here's the deal, my friends. God's love for you is like all of these things. All of these expressions, all of these ideas about love, God loves you that way. His love for you is a feeling and the grandest of feelings. And His love for you is like a torrential tide that just crashes over you, madly in love with you, is how God loves you. And God's commitment to you, His decision for you is so rock solid, He staked His own life to secure your love for Him and His love for you. His passion for you. His passion for you is so all-consuming that it is the original to which every other earthly obsession is just a counterfeit. I'm going to say that again. God's passion for you is the original for which every earthly obsession is merely a counterfeit. And God throws Himself under the bus so that He can secure an insatiable love with you that you and He can love one another for all eternity. God's love for you is communal because He's going to bring you into the midst of other people and through other people whom He loves as well, He's going to teach you how to love one another. It won't be easy. It won't be a walk in the park, though you may walk through many parks together. But God works through loving each other. And of course, when things break, as they tend to, of course, when things fall apart and go bad, as we are prone to lead them into, as we hurt one another in the process, maybe sometimes we do so because we love imperfectly. Sometimes we do it because we don't know better. Sometimes it's because we're just stupid and we let our hearts wander away and forget themselves. When those things happen, love, God's love forgives. God's love forgives and when He forgives, His love wipes away all our wrongdoing. He wipes away all our wrongdoing so that we can come back to Him clean and afresh again and start all over again with Him. That's God's love for you. Now, I'm going to tie all this to Christmas. Now, what is the Christmas story? Christmas, as you know, is the day we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now, I know that some of you are very new to this idea of Christmas. In the context of a church, you are familiar with Christmas trees and Santa Claus. You may know Rudolph and his very red nose. But if I ask you, how was Jesus born? You might not be so familiar. If I ask you, how was Jesus born? You might say, uh, I don't know, something to do with a barn. And you're not wrong. Jesus was born, so it seems, in a barn. And God 
had given Jesus to Mary, whom at that time was a virgin. And she travelled with her fiancé, Joseph, back to his kampong. She was full term. And back in the kampong, Bethlehem, the contractions kicked in. And as they looked for a place to give birth, there was not a room, not an inn, not a home in the entire town that had space to accommodate them. And so, yes, you are right, Jesus was born in a barn. And as his first cot, as his first cot, they used the food fruff for the animals in the barn. And when we sing Silent Night, Holy Night, you have to picture Jesus inside a manger. That's the word we've come to use for it, a manger. And why is this important? This is the Christmas story. The story of the birth of Jesus. Why is this important? And even at this stage, I want you to see that God sent His Son, Jesus, into this world in the most humble, in the most ordinary way possible. And you, you heard us sing that song just now, He is the Saviour King. And I know in your mind that kings should not be born into humble stables like that. Kings are born in the, in the istana, istana, kerabat diraja, you know. Kings are born into splendour, into glamour, into glory, into refinery. That's how kings and princes are born, princesses are born. That's why all little kids want, want, want to be princesses, right? But God sent His Son, the Saviour King, to be born under the most, if you may even say, inauspicious of environments. Among all the smells, among all the animals. And why is that important? Because from the way He was born, from the very beginning of the way He was born, Jesus was already that kind of guy. Just an ordinary guy. Someone who's just like us and He's going to grow up into someone whose heart is always to look out and search for people who are broken just like every single one of us. And He repeatedly shows up to people who are fragile, who are vulnerable. And then for the people who dare not and will not refuse to be fragile, refuse to show vulnerability, He says, why? Why? Why the fronting? And He calls. He keeps making bids. There was one time in His adulthood when Jesus was having a meal with the social parias of His community. And he was eating with them as he's prone to do. He's always eating and spending time with the social parias of his community. And while he was doing that, he got judgy looks and he got judgy comments from the people of high status in his community. And he turned to them and he said, Guys, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. It is the sick who need a doctor. They didn't catch his hint. What was his hint? He was reminding them that they too needed a doctor. But all the way, they put up their front 
all along they refuse to admit that they themselves could be fragile that they themselves could be vulnerable and people who were in need and Jesus is constantly reaching out to those who keep pulling up a wall, pulling up a wall, that Jesus is constantly trying to puncture that and say, don't you need God? Don't you need something bigger than yourself? You know, on another occasion, Jesus said to a group of people, He said, the Son of Man, referring to Himself, He said, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, I find this to be quite an unlikely Christmas passage, but I like it very much. So I, I want to camp out here for a little while with all of you guys. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, Son of Man is the name He gave to Himself. It's His nickname. He likes to call Himself the Son of Man. Now, why Son of Man? Why Man? Because He was born. God became man. But you know what? He could very well have, have, have styled himself as son of God. He could have, you know. He could have. And he wouldn't be wrong if he called himself the son of God. But his favourite coinage for himself was son of man. And I like that. You know why? Because when God became man, when Jesus becomes just like every one of us, He leaves His glory in heaven to take on the body of a man. He leaves His high status to become just like every single one of us. He was born as a baby of all things. Can you imagine God having to restart and, and, and learn everything from scratch as a baby? To learn to sit on tripod, to learn to crawl before they can learn to stand, before they can learn to walk. You have to learn all these inane little things like how to cut your nails or how to crack your neck. You have to learn all these little, little things that you and I don't think about. God put Himself into the body of a child to grow and learn new things bit by bit. That's why He loves calling Himself the Son of Man. He was born into a humble family, a poor man's family, if anything. Born in Bethlehem, a village so inconsequential, so small, no one even bothered to talk about it. And worse, he grew up in another city, in a city called Nazareth, uh, a city of bad reputation, such that many years later, someone would actually say, Nazareth, what kind of good things could ever come from Nazareth? You see, that's how Jesus mingling with the humble. And just like ordinary people, you know, before he was even eight years old, his family had moved house three times, at least, at least, just like every single one of us. Shuffling from place to place, looking for meaning, looking for, for, for something, looking for his next step in life and there's a sense of him there's a part of him that does know that does know why he is here and he's going to carry that into the fullness of his adulthood you know when i was 15 years old when i was 15 there was a hugely popular hugely successful country rock song and the song is called one of us by joan osborne 
And in this song, the songwriter poses the question, what if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. Just a stranger on a bus trying to make his way home. <laughs> you know, at that time, some Christians were really offended, really offended by the idea that God could be identified with a slob. We forget, of course, that on the cross, Jesus identified with far worse. And why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this so you know that there is no sin, no wreck, no, no mess that you have brought yourself into or that the world has put before you that puts you out of reach of God. You know, in another place, in another place, the Bible says that God made, made Jesus in, to be in every respect like his brothers so that there is no temptation there is no suffering that you and i can ever experience that he did not experience himself that's our jesus now i know for those of you who have very little contact with church very little uh, uh, pre-knowledge about jesus you see him sometimes in photographs and he's got this halo all around him and it's almost like beautiful light blonde hair, blue eyes and his robes are clean and beautiful. He's like impossibly handsome. His beard is perfectly, you know, coiffed. And, and you look at that and you say, what would he know about me? What would he know about me? But I believe and the Bible continues to show that the Jesus who walked, the Jesus who lived, was not perfectly coiffed like that and constantly walking around, floating above the ground and constantly had his hair together and constantly had his robes all nicely clean. But he was a man who, like his own earthly father, worked with his hands. He was a man who was not unaccustomed to walking barefoot, walking with sandals, dusty, travelling from town to town as he had been doing all his life. That's Jesus' son of man and then the son of man came see the son of man came and herein lies the Christmas story he came he came from somewhere he left behind all of his heavenly splendor and he came like a like a man on a mission he came to this world that he created now there was something something about this world that drew him to it. Something about you and I being on this absolutely strange and broken planet that drew him to it. He came looking. He's looking for you and looking for me. And he was looking to put right and to bring together again, to put back together again a desperately, terribly broken world. And you and I know we don't need to look very far to know how broken our world is today. And that's why He came, to put back together a terribly broken world. And He continues to do that. That's why He came. <laughs> 
And you know, church, when He came, He did not... The fact that He came so many years ago, some 2,000 years ago now, my friends, is testament that your journey toward Him and His journey towards you did not just begin a few days ago, earlier this week, when you accepted an invitation to come to church for Christmas. Your journey towards Him and His journey towards you began long, long before, days before, months before, years and years before you came here. He was already on His way to find you. That's our Jesus. And He was there. And I want you to take a moment and I want you to reflect on the journey that you've been on. Not just the nice, squeaky clean parts, of course, because we are in the presence of Jesus. I want you to reflect on all the difficult parts as well. I'm inviting you to step back some 10 years, maybe when life was harder. I'm, I'm inviting you to step back even into your childhood. When you were a child, and you were locked in the storeroom for being naughty and you and you screamed and you cried in that pitch darkness Jesus was there and already he was on his way to find you already he was making his way to you which is the easy part. And also, He was making your way towards Him, which we know takes, sometimes takes much longer. And when you sat on your dining table with your bills all spread out and a calculator on your right hand, and you tried and you tried and you tried so hard, to make the numbers and the money add up and the ends to meet and you just realised it could not. You stood or you sat as it were facing a dead end and you could not make it add up. He was already on His way to find you. And when you drove all alone, lost in your thoughts and you were unaware of the chaos that lay just ahead Maybe lay just ahead on that drive. Maybe it lay ahead from when you reached wherever you were going. Maybe chaos lay ahead and destruction lay ahead. Days ahead. Just mere days ahead. He was already, even at that point, on His way to find you. And on that day when you put down the phone and the news sank in, And you close your eyes and you just realize that all around you, the whole world was just falling apart. And you knew in that instant that life would never be the same again, having received that news. He saw you. He was with you. He was making His way to find you. Now there is a song from a film 
that I feel would aptly capture what God would say to you if audibly He were to speak to you right now. You were staring at your bedroom wall With only girls beside you And somewhere out where the wind was calling I was on my way to find you I was on my way Every day I was on my way To find you You see, He's been looking for you He's been on His way to find you Because He loves you he loves you. I need you to hear that afresh again. God loves you. And Jesus has been on His way to find you because of His, we said earlier, well, His feelings for you, His decision for you, His obsessive self-sacrifice for you, His insatiable need and desire, passion for you. How you bring Him joy and how He brings you he can potentially bring you joy. He's been on that way to find you. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Not just man, not just came. Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You know, we will all go through moments of just darkness. And for many of you, I... I see you before me, I can only imagine how much more you have been through by virtue of the years that you have been sojourning here in this world. And I'm humbled by the thought that you would have gone through so much more than even myself. And some of you, your age does not tell the full story. Even in your youth, You've gone through so much darkness and so much hurt and pain already. I'll tell you a funny story. Okay, it's not very funny. I'm going to tell it to you anyway. When I was in uni, I was with a girl. And... <laughs> well, you're laughing already. <laughs> when I was in uni, I was with a girl. And we rented in student homes some two, three hundred meters apart from one another. And I knew, I knew that she didn't love me. We went four and a half years together, I knew she didn't love me. She, she was conflict aversive. And if, you, and if you're conflict-aversive yourself, I think you can understand that the thought of breaking up with me was possibly the one thing worse than remaining paralyzed in an unloving and loveless relationship. So that was me for some four and a half years when I was a student. And 
I used to have dinners in her house. And then after dinner, I would make that walk two, three hundred meters back to mine. And on that, and on that walk, there is a stretch. There is a stretch where the street lamps were out and it was just absolutely dark. And there were trees covering a canopy over you. And there was no signs of life even in the houses that you were walking next to. Just that stretch, horrible stretch. Hated it. Just pitch black. And on many occasions, after dinner, and constantly longing for her attention, her affection, I would make that walk home and, 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 and very frequently when I made that walk home, I felt very lonely and it would play on my mind over and over again that she didn't love me. But when I hit that dark stretch, I did not just feel unloved. I felt utterly alone and unloved. And I felt afraid of the darkness. And I used to try to hurry my way along to get through it as quickly as I can. And yet, for some reason, I kept putting myself back into that situation to have dinner there and then walk through that dark stretch and feel afraid, but worse still, feel utterly alone and unwanted, unattractive, unlikable. And now when I look back at it, you know the Bible has this thing, it says that though you walk through the valley of shadow of death, you will fear not, eat no evil, for I am with you. My rod and my staff will comfort you. And when I look back, I know that even then, even then, making that little stretch, I know that God was on His way to find me, even at that time. And He would find me, not too long after those days. He found me. And when I found Him, I know now what it means for Him to say the Son of Man came to save, seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek for and found me. Now to describe how much He loves you and He really does love you, He, he does say a whole bunch of things to, love, to show you how much He loves you. And one of the pictures, he, His favourite picture to show you how much He loves you is that of a shepherd. He thinks of himself as a shepherd. He calls himself a shepherd all the time. In fact, on one occasion, he says that he's a shepherd who cares for his sheep and he will seek the lost. He will bring back those who are straight. He will bind up those who are injured and he will strengthen those who are weak. This is our Jesus. What a good shepherd. On another occasion, he described it like this. He said, he said that he's the kind of shepherd who, upon inspecting his flock and counting them, if he discovers that one of them is missing, he would leave 99 of his sheep out there grazing on the open country. And he would leave them and go to find the one lost sheep. That's how Jesus, He would go 
through in and out of every ditch and in and out of every ravine getting his legs all soppy and dirty he would scrap his way through thorns he would push his way through rushing waters he would call out into the vast openness have you ever lost like a little child before and you didn't know where they were you run around and you just call and just call and you don't know if anyone can hear you your voice just gets sucked into 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 the vast openness and fear comes over you and that's what this shepherd would do and when he finds just to find this one sheep who by now is lonely and frightened and cold probably been chased around and bitten probably wounded hurting and most definitely hiding when this shepherd finds this sheep he calls it by name he picks it up lovingly puts the sheep on his shoulders and with full of joy as you can see it saying on the screen he brings that sheep home now I think that among us today we are like sheep straight prone to wandering away and getting ourselves into all kinds of trouble and sometimes we find ourselves in a position where we need a shepherd to come find us but I want to point out something to you huh about this story this story that you have just heard can I say something? it makes absolutely no economic sense at all you think about it this story makes absolutely no economic sense for a shepherd to what? leave 99 to find one to risk losing more among the 99 maybe even all of the 99 just to find one I'm going to ask you, if you and I were that shepherd, what would we do? Frankly, we would write off that one sheep. We would, right? Because to us, that one sheep is just another sheep. But it's not like that for Jesus. Jesus loves that sheep. He knows that sheep. He knows that sheep from the day it was born. He can tell everyone apart. And He has a name for that sheep. And when that sheep is missing from His flock, His flock is never the same again. He will not rest till He is on His way to find it and to bring it back. So what if I tell you now, you are that sheep if I told you that you were the sheep and you needed a shepherd in your moment of being lost and weary and broken would you want a shepherd who would calculate and write you off risk manage And cut you off 
Or would you want a shepherd, the shepherd, who would drop everything to come and find you? You see, my friends, this is, we talked about love just now. I, I, I talked about an obsessive type of self-sacrificing love. This is exactly that kind of love. It does not calculate. It just drops everything and goes. And when someone loves you so much, they drop everything and go. If you're a parent, maybe you understand, you would just drop everything and go. And that's what Jesus has been doing for you since long before you came in here. He's dropped everything and He goes. Now, I don't know how you would answer the question I asked earlier, would you prefer a shepherd who would write you off or one who would drop everything? It doesn't matter how you answer. You already have a shepherd who has left everything to search for you. And whether you like it or not, whether you feel deserving of it or not, whether you feel that, no lah, don't come and find me, there are other people in worse trouble, go look for them or not, He has already been looking for you. And you can keep running away, but you can't stop His love from coming for you. Now some of you, some of you have been walking with Jesus for a long time now, but like sheep, you are prone to straying and wandering away. And if that is you today, you can come home. You can come home. Just say yes to Jesus and you are home again. You are close. You are so close. And some of you are new to this faith and you are just in the midst of discovering what your God is like. So let me tell you, this is what your God is like. You can make an absolute train wreck of your life. And even in that moment, go run back to your God. Don't run away from Him, run to Him. His arms are always open, especially for those who destroy, seem to be ex expert in destroying themselves somehow. Keep running back to Him. Some of you have found yourselves on the edge of this faith right on the edge of this faith. And you are there because some point on your life you got pushed further and further out. And I don't know what has pushed you out, but you began with Christ and then you now find yourself right on the edge of the faith. If that is you, if that is you, I want to pray for you because I want to pray for healing. I want to pray that God will heal in you the wounds that were torn open by people, maybe even people in the church. And then there are others among you. You find yourself on the edge, also on the edge of this faith. But after a journey of being drawn, as if being drawn by a light, a far away distant light, and you've come, you've come all the way and you stand now on the edge of what we have here, but only at the edge and you say, I'm actually quite happy to just, I'm actually quite happy here. I'm happy to stand here, watch from the outside and see everything happen through a glass. And for you, Jesus opens the door. He steps out to join you and He says, come inside. Come inside. I have a place for you. But of course, 
at this point you may say you may say or you may feel like like I'm not going to be good enough you know I'm not good enough I'm not holy enough I'm not clean enough I'm not right enough you know I'm not the I'm not the praying type I'm not the pious type I'm not even religious and Jesus just look at you he doesn't even flinch he says come so you protest you say I don't know why you're interested in me I'm not I'm not very interesting I'm not I'm not talented or beautiful like all the people that are in your church I'm none of those things and as you say that you realize that throughout your life no one's ever really said that you were talented or ever beautiful though you wished and you longed to hear those words and Jesus holds his gaze on you and with more kindness and compassion than you're accustomed to he says no come and you protest again but of course now you're just protesting for the sake of it right you say anyway I'm very busy which is true you've been working really hard and some days you wonder what it's all for and you say anyway I've made up my mind which is not true you're still making up your mind about Jesus and you just stand there waiting for Jesus to pastor you even further but he doesn't he just stands there looking at you with a look like he's known you all your life like he's seen you when you were broken he's seen you when you failed he's seen how you are ashamed how you are fearful how you are angry and none of that bothers him he just stands there waiting for your response and my friends the rest can't be told the rest of this story can't be told but possibly it can be sung and so for the next part to close us out I want to invite two of my friends back on stage and there's this song which is an invitation this song is an invitation to all of you who have tasted what failure feels like you've experienced the wariness of waiting for something with very little chance and very little hope and this song is entitled come all you unfaithful stay seated I want to invite you to listen to the words of this song if you need close your eyes and allow the words of this song to speak to you Christ is born 
is Christmas? Christmas is Christ is born for you. And today that is His invitation for you. Come. Come all you weary. Come all you broken. Come all you hurting. Come every one of you 
who acknowledge your own fragility and say, yes, God, I need to come. In a moment, I want to invite all of you to rise to your feet. And for those of you, you want to come before Christ and say yes to Him. And as He stands with you on the outside, you want to say yes to being led through the door and to come in with Him. Can we all rise to our feet? Shall we all rise to our feet at this moment? Now I want to make a call to you and this is one call. It's just one call to everybody. If you want to come to Christ for whatever reason, I want you to step out from your chair right now and step to the front and someone will be here to just show you love and to pray together with you. So whether you've been far away from God and you want to come back to Him, this is the moment. Come to Him. And whether you have been standing on the edge of this faith for a long time now, today you want to say, come, I want to come to Him. I want to invite you, just step out from your chair and just come to Him. If you're facing a really difficult situation in your life, you feel that you are stuck, you feel that it's a dead end, you don't know how to make ends meet, you don't know how to make anything come together again. I want to invite you, just step out and come to the front. If you want to make a decision and say yes to Jesus for the very first time in your life, I want to invite you also to come to the front. And someone will pray for you. So church, I want all of us, I just want to invite all of us to just keep our eyes closed. To keep our eyes closed, if you want, you can hold your hands open in a posture of receiving. And as this song is being sung, one more time, this chorus is being sung one more time. I want to invite you to come. Christ is born. Christ is born. Christ is born. Remember that there is nothing you've done, nothing you've done that can set you so far from God. And the Lord is calling you right now. His invitation is for you. Come. Though you're broken, come. You don't have to, you don't have to keep your walls up. In the presence of Christ, you can just come. For those who believe He's the Lamb Slain for our pardon His promise For those who believe I want to pray along with the rest of you right now for those of you who are standing there, I want to pray with you. If you have a need in your life right now, I want you to hold your hands open. Just wherever you are, just hold your hands open. 
And when you hold your hands open, it's an act of faith. It's a way of saying to God, yes, I am ready to receive. Yes, I'm ready for you to hold my hand and to lead me forward. Heavenly Father, I pray for every one of my sisters and brothers who are here today. I pray, Lord, here's, here are my hands. They are open. They are ready. Ready to have your hands in them. Hold my hand. Lead me forward. I need you, O oh Lord. Today I acknowledge that I have run to a point of my dead end. I've reached my limits. I know I can't go any further on my own. And today I know that I need you. Today my own fragility, my own failings have, have been shown up. I know I need you. And here my hands before you. Hold me. Lead me. I need you in my life. And as you make this prayer, I'm praying for you, my friends. Lord Jesus, I pray that you part, that you part all the cloud and all the smoke and all the and, and everything that hinders, and you find deep in the hearts of your sons and your daughters, and you lead them. You lead them out of the fog. You lead them out of the mist. You lift them up. Though they are weary, though they are broken, though they are afraid, and you hold them, you love them, you put them on your shoulder, you carry every single one home. And Lord Jesus, I pray that in the same way, you will see the lost find home. Not just here, but elsewhere too. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll work your way into the hearts of your people and you show your love, your compassion, your mercy, your forgiveness. You know, as I was praying before this service, I just sense that there is someone here, you've been really hard on yourself. You've been really, really hard on yourself because people could have forgiven you, but you can't accept and you can't forgive yourself for having failed the way you have. And you won't let yourself go. If anyone's been judging you harshly, you've judged yourself harshest. And today, Jesus stands before you and He says, let it down. Let it down. The Lord says, I love you. I love you. And I've forgiven you. And I'm restoring you and I'm making you whole again. And there is no failure that you think that you have stepped into, that you cannot step out with Christ. He walks with you out of every darkness. And as some of you here, you are lonely. You don't know. If anyone would ever know you or care for you or love you, I'm praying with you right now. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will meet the loneliest of hearts and make peace deep inside that we know that we have a friendship with one whose love endures for forever. So Lord Jesus, I thank you for this Christmas service. I thank you for this whole weekend. And I pray for every single one of us that tomorrow on Christmas Day, we will wake up to a new dawn. We will, we will wake up to a new love 
we'll wake up to a new thing deep inside us. We know we are loved. Thank you for that love. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn His face to look at you, acknowledge you, show His love to you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance and in so doing, hand on your chin, lift your countenance up as well. So you gaze eye to eye, face to face, heart to heart and He blesses you with His peace. And all of God's people will say, Amen.